0: Several weeks ago, in uh, in our Bible class back here, and then uh, the two the two different veins of thought happen is this way: uh, How do we get the gospel into our community? We'll look at that, and then I want to switch gears just to, just here. And this, how do we how do we mentor leadership? All right, how do we mentor leadership? And I think we need to talk about those two areas. Let me read this quote to you, and this comes from. Um, well, when I was, well, um, years ago, there was a preacher that was, we were sitting in an evangelism class, and he starts out the, the study by saying, if you were, if all you had on a, if you had a shipwreck, and you were deserted on a desert island, you and five other people, and all you had with, between you was a Bible. He said, and you decided to get together as a group and read that Bible. And he said, and you decided you wanted to call yourselves a group that reads the Bible. He said, you would call yourself a church, wouldn't you? Yes. He said, and what kind of church, what would you look like? What would you look like? And he said, surprisingly, you know, people say that that's a hypothetical question. He said, actually, it's not. He said, there are places uh, that uh, that actually have, have had a Bible, and that's all they had in some remote village in the Philippines or Thailand. Um, or Africa or somewhere kind of thing. And when they'd gone through there, and then the missionaries had finally made it to those places, there was a group of people. And they were sitting around reading the Bible. And guess what else they were doing? You want to guess? They were praying. Yeah. And guess what else they were doing? They were singing. Yeah. Without instruments because, in having and it wasn't important because they had read in their bible where you just sing you know and they they contributed now it might have been a couple of coconuts two mangoes and a goat you know kind of thing but whatever it was one of them would read and they would take up so that they could help the needy in some other village kind of thing they baptized in in by immersion right and they would come up out of the water rejoicing why because that's what they had read in their bible When the word of God has allowed its work in a person's life without all of the baggage that comes with modern society as we know it, then the church grows because the word, the seed is the word of God. And when that happens, then, you know, our job basically is to make sure that that word goes out from here. All right. We get discouraged sometimes because we feel like we're not doing enough or we're not doing it right or we're not busy enough. And. To some extent, we may be correct in that. To other, in other, in other ways, you know, maybe we're trying our best to do what we can. You know, and we have to talk about that. And I think we'll do this this morning. But from one of those churches okay, in a in, in Zimbabwe, actually, where you read this week, the tyrant who was in charge. I don't know if you read the New York Times or not, but um, the 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 man who liberated Zimbabwe and later became its tyrant president, basically uh dictator uh died at the age of 95 and someone succeeded him and they'll do whatever they do but in zimbabwe okay came this letter okay? and this is what they said we soon found that rather than being weakened by the removal of all external props, because the government was attacking them okay and, and scattering them because they didn't want any kind of religion there we were actually much stronger because our faith in god was pure We didn't have any opportunity to love the things of God, so we just learned to love God. We had no plans or programs to keep running, so we just sought the face of Jesus. We don't believe the world needs another single church building. They need Jesus, and they need to worship and grow in God's grace with other believers, according to the pattern of the first church in the New Testament. I didn't write that, but boy, don't you wish you had Okay. Now let's talk about this for a moment. We live in a community that is very religious. I mean, there's a church on every corner. I counted one time there are seventeen churches in this town. Okay. Um, and uh, and every time that somebody gets mad at somebody else they go rent a store and you know or meet in somebody's home and they, and they go form their own little church, you know, kind of thing. I understand. It's the way it's the way of America today. Uh, they, but for some reason, we have to get the gospel into our community. Now, what we've decided, you know, back or what we what we've talked about back here is that, you know, I could I could open this up and say, how could we get the gospel into our community? You raise your hand, and somebody would have an idea. And we would take that idea, and we would run that around the room, and we'd say, well, how do we follow that idea? You know, and how could that happen? And and all of a sudden, everybody gets on board with either, either, yeah, that can be done or that can't be done. And whoever had that idea is going to say, well, that's not quite what I had in mind, or that's what I had in mind, and nobody supported it. Or let's run with this thing, and all of a sudden, I'm in charge, and I'm not sure I want to do that. Follow me? Okay? understand what I'm talking about. Now, instead, let's do something different. Let's go to the Bible, (laughs) And see how they did. And then, let's prepare ourselves to go and do as they did in the Bible. Fair enough, yes? Alright, so let's start in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We talk a lot about conversions in the book of Acts. We talk a lot about um, what the pattern or the, the, uh, the steps of salvation are and how they're met. Actually, you know, when you look at the books of Acts, that's true. People did come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I love the words in 1 Peter chapter 1, after about verses 8 and 9, where it says, You love him whom you have not seen. These people did not see Jesus. They weren't at the cross. They didn't walk with Him the dusty roads of Galilee. But yet they heard a message and saw because of those who had faith in him, who did walk with him, that they, they were convinced that this Jesus was the answer to Scripture, the, uh, the Messiah of prophecy. And because of that, they put their faith in him as God's anointed one, the Savior of the earth. And they then did what they were told to do, as Jesus told his disciples to go and, set, and tell them to do. Which is really kind of great if you think about it Because Jesus before he left said In Matthew 28 I want you to go into All the world and I want you to preach the Gospel I want you to make disciples of All nations baptizing them in the name Of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit And teaching him to observe All things whatsoever I have commanded you And lo I am with you always even to the end Of the age we know that by heart But Jesus said it and they did it The end of Acts 28 is The beginning of Acts 1 Yes Yes And having said that, what follows is all these people doing what the disciples were telling them that Jesus told them. So if you stop and think about it, when people question you about who you are and why you are, you're just the person who's doing what the people who walked with Jesus told them to, told us to do, right? The chain of command, or the the chain of history is very short for us. Jesus said, the disciples taught it, we do it. We don't have a long history of hierarchical succession we don't have a list of presidents of our association. We don't have um, we don't have a founder for our group kind of thing but whose name we wear or whose name we adopted we don't have all that. Our chain is pretty simple. Jesus said it the disciples taught it we believe it and here we are. So what happens next? Well in your life the chain has one more link Jesus said it, the disciples Taught it, you believed it, you shared it They believe it and the chain goes on Right? So what you're seeing is a very short Chain of a command Whose key link Whose link pin, if you will Is Jesus Christ You know what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 No other foundation can any man lay Except that which is in Christ Jesus Right? Now having said that Let's look at Acts 16, verses 13 through 15. How do we get that message then into the community where we live? Let's read verses 13 through 15. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside, where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she had, when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Look at that text for just a moment. Stay right there looking at those words. All right? People often tell me, I don't know what to do. What did Paul do? The Paul and those traveling with him, they arrived in a community, okay? And what did, what's the first thing they did? What does it say? They went to a place of prayer, okay? People who already knew God, okay, or believed in God, right? So that thing has already been established, okay? They already believed in God, right? We don't have to argue with people about the existence of God if they already have believed in God. It's the whole premise of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It assumes you believe. The rest of the Bible is, is based off of that assumption that you already have come to a decision that there is a greater power who is God who created the heavens and the earth. So we're not talking to a bunch of atheists here. What we're doing is we're talking to people who believe in God. It is a place of prayer, as Renee said. It's a place of prayer, so we're going and they're gathered there. It's an informal gathering down by the river kind of thing. But they went out. You see what I mean? They went out, and what did they do next? So they went out and it says and they went out and they assembled with them. They assembled with them, and then they had an audience kind of thing. They had an audience. I had this idea that there are places where people gather in this community where we assume that they all believe in God. It could be the coffee shop. It could be uh, the break room. It could be uh, the restaurant kind of thing. And um, it could be, you know, I don't know, a lot of places. But Paul began to talk to them about Jesus. Jesus. And here's where I think, for me anyway, my frustration is when I mention the word Jesus, everybody wants to argue about Jesus. You ever notice that? All they want to do is talk about. Well, you people don't. We. Have, why aren't you like us? I just want to talk about Jesus. That's all he did. Was he talked about Jesus? The reason I know that is because she was wanting to be baptized. Well, how? What do you know in the Book of Acts? How are you baptized? In the name of Jesus. Yes? Okay. So when you're talking about that, one of the things that we need to do in our community is we need to go out there and not be ashamed of the gospel. Am I right? Romans 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Am I right? And as such, then, we just don't need to be ashamed of talking about Jesus. Now, we're going to get to the reasoning part moment, okay? When they when they ask us all these questions, but for the for the first thing, we we have to overcome we have to overcome our own. I don't know what do you call it reticence, okay? Is that they're not going to kill us? Honestly, they're not going to kill us if we say Jesus in a group at the restaurant. They're not. Yeah, they may not sit by us next week. Okay, I didn't want to sit by them but the idea is that we don't need to be ashamed to mention Jesus what's the other thing that you know that that he mentioned I know he mentioned Jesus because that's why he was there what's the other thing that he did after they had heard they what how did they know to be baptized somebody had to tell them that am I right for, for years and years when I was a little guy Well, there was little when I was younger. All right, we would they would put us on an old old school helm uh, old yellow helm bus that they'd paint, repainted with the church name on the side, and we would run off to another church to go to what they call a youth rally. Anybody here been to a youth rally? You know what I'm talking about? Okay? They don't do those much anymore. Um, but they would get all the young people together and they would have someone come in and and speak to us, you know, kind of thing, talk to us about, you know, the uh, the dangers of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And, or uh, they would talk to us about, uh, they talked to, don't y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Yeah. And they'd talk to us about, you know, how looking at, you know, those dirty pictures would caused us to go blind. Y'all you, know, you remember that? Okay. You know, you know, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And, and we would go and we would look at that. But every time we got together, we had one guy. And I remember this. Y'all may remember this. But we had one guy, he made this impassioned plea that if we weren't, in the body of Christ we weren't baptized into Jesus Christ For the forgiveness of our sins We were going to hell And then he proceeded to, to invite us To be baptized into Jesus Christ So that we could avoid that And we began to sing the song Just as I am Do you have any verses there are to just as I am As originally written Anybody know There are eight Okay, There are eight now, if you would look it up in your songbook that we have in the pew, there are only four, and the first one's repeated. The reason is, is that they began to do that a lot in different places. to sing, just as I am, without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. I know, because I heard it all. Yeah. Was there anything wrong? And people laugh at that. And people have been laughing at the church ever since. They laughed. Oh, we sing humpty verses of just as I am. Ha, ha, ha. You remember those days? And they would laugh. But nobody offers invitations like that to groups of young people anymore. I haven't heard an invitation like that different to a group of young people where they actually they talked about hell. They'll talk to them about a lot of things. About their relationship with Jesus. They'll talk about how they need to, to, to work together you know, to, to make the world a better place. They'll say those things. Not that those things are not important. But when you talk about that, how many of you have ever heard this line of thinking is that you know in the old days the church of Christ used to do this? All right? You've heard that? Haven't you? You know, I think about that. And I think at some point you've got to offer the invitation. At some point, you have to tell them that their soul belongs to Satan, until it is redeemed from hell by the blood of Jesus. They have to know the fear of God. We talked about this Wednesday night in my Bible class back here. We were talking about what do you fear? Because we were talking about the Egyptian midwives and how they did not fear Pharaoh, they feared God. And I said, what's the difference? And they go, well, you don't have to really be scared of God. (coughs) they looked at me kind of funny because nobody ever talks to them about being scared of God. I said, now, you're going to hear it and honestly, in, in every respect, in every time that I've, I've heard it mentioned in the last 20 years, it says, you don't have to fear God, you have to respect Him. Okay? So now you've just unhitched your wagon from fear and given it to respect. This is what I told them. And I used y'all as an example. hope you don't mind it. <laughs> you know. I said, and I pointed to well, can I borrow? I'll just borrow Lawrence. I said, I said Foster, I said, I said, when you do something and you know it's wrong, for I said, what do you know that your folks are going to do to you? He said, well, they punish me. I said, yes. Sometimes it hurts. Said, yes, it does. <laughs> so whatever you're doing, it hurts. I said, so you know you know when you do something wrong it hurts because you're being punished, yes so what does that help you to know about doing something wrong? He said, I'm scared of doing something wrong yes the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom I said, now what is wisdom? that's it Let me put it this way. If you know it's not going to hurt if you do the right thing, then what do you choose to do? I mean, every one of those little guys, every one of them, every fourth grader I have in there, every one of them said, I want to do the right thing so I don't get hurt. I said, there you go. I know a fear of punishment can be avoided if I choose to do the right thing fear of God. is the beginning of wisdom. Now, notice that that verse says it's the beginning of wisdom. doesn't say it's the sum total. What is the culmination of that wisdom? To know not only that by, doing, by avoiding the doing of wrong and punishment that I will not hurt, but that I am loved by God because He does that and because of that He saves me from the consequences of that wrong choice. Then when I come to understand that wisdom comes to completion when I understand that a loving God punishes evil but, but saves us who are obedient to him and provides for us something that is a, called a blessing. Yes, wisdom has come into full bloom. Now I know that God loves me. I still fear what he might do if I do wrong. But I rejoice when I obey because I live inside his grace. Sense? now that's on the fourth grade level. I'm sure you have a much more adult understanding of it. But having said that, we, you know, we came we came to that understanding. What I'm saying is this: I don't think we need to laugh so much at eight verses of "Just as I am." I think we're living in a generation now that doesn't fear anybody, and maybe that needs to change. You know, there was, after 9-11, coming up next Wednesday, by the way, there was, after the initial 9-11 in 2001, there was a great resurgence, we noticed, in people seeking God. Why would you think that? Because all of a sudden, what had happened? The news came on and said, the towers had fallen, were under attack, and now we are not in control anymore. So where do you go? Yeah? You go with God. Sometimes I think there needs to be a healthy sense of fear. Not respect. Fear. That there is something out there bigger and badder and hurtful. And we need to avoid that. And that there is something, there is a place where it is safe. A place where there is redemption, a place where there is love, and a place where there's a refuge, and that is the church. Now, how do you bring that into your conversation? Well, I'm all open. You know, I would love to discuss that with you at some point. Kind of thing. Just seed thoughts right here. Kind of Let's turn to Acts chapter 18. Let's look at verse four. Paul again, but now he's at Corinth, moving on from Philippi. He says, And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews in Greece. So, where was he? Was he in Bible class on a Sunday morning? No. Why? Synagogues don't meet on Sundays. When do they meet? They meet on the Sabbath or Saturday. So he would go to where they were meeting so that he could, what did it say he was doing with them? Is that the bell? Wow. This happens a lot, doesn't it? Every time. Every time, every time I just get into something. I get into. Okay, so it says he was reasoning with them. What does the word reasoning mean? Okay. If I'm reasoning with someone, I'm not answering their questions so much as, and I'm not arguing with them, and I'm not dismissing them, and they're not dismissing me. Act, it's actually kind of a Q&A, a question and answer thing. Why is it that you keep saying these things? Let me give you, I've only got five minutes. Let me give you this quickly, okay? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, okay? Let me just get there for you. It's not on the outline saying, but let me give you a, a great conversation to start. Because people are going to tell you, well, in the Old Testament, okay, it says this, okay? And they'll use that for all kinds of things. And I used to try to explain to them, well, that was a sacrificial system, and that was, you know, that da, 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 we don't do that anymore because Hebrews seven says that, you know, that would come off the And I finally just decided that people live in sound bites, don't they? I mean, if it's not, you know, if it's not thirty seconds, they can't do that. Second Corinthians five verse seventeen. Somebody read that to me, guys, I didn't get there in time. Therefore, being in the new creation, all things pass away; behold, all things. That's it. Okay. Right. So, if any man is in Christ, okay, the old has passed away. Old what? Well, we always said the old self. Really, if you stop and think about it, everything old passed away. You know what? Hebrews chapter eight tells us that the old covenant became obsolete. Okay, the old covenant became obsolete. The old sacrificial system became obsolete. The old, you know, the old testament became obsolete. Now now becoming an instruction guide for us So that we might know how faith is nurtured Kind of thing Bringing us as a tutor Galatians chapter 3 says Bringing us as a tutor or schoolmaster or guardian To faith in whom? Christ Jesus If any man is in Christ The old has passed away I don't worship like the Old Testament Why? It has what? It has passed away But all things have become New. What kind of Christian are you? I am a New Testament Christian. Why? Because there's no such thing as an Old Testament Christian. There weren't there. Christ had not died yet. Was Christ there? Yes. Had He died yet? No. He was the He was the world prophecy. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I am a New Testament Christian worshiping and serving the new the new one who is anointed okay who is the lord of my life and he is the one who fulfilled prophecy he is the completion of everything that god was working through the old testament in the plan of redemption now there's your verse to share with people isn't it that'll get their attention in 30 seconds won't it try that one at work tomorrow all right And when they say, why don't you people use those, whatever, why don't you, why don't y'all not like us? kind of things? this is because the Bible says, and this is how you start that, because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, if any man is in Christ, and I'm assuming that that's what we're talking about here, and they'll say, well, yeah. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. And everything that divides us right now, you're talking about, you're going to go to the Old Testament to prove. All old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I simply do what the New Testament tells me to do. Now, you're saying, well, that's a little oversimplified. I only have 30 seconds. But if that will get me to the next 30 seconds the next day, that at least plants a seed thought. Yes, yes. Where they can think about that and say, I want to talk to you about that, what we talked about yesterday. Well, then you have to have another thought. Okay? Bell's about to ring, I can give you that later. But that thought about that Okay? Okay. Now, the, other, the next place you want to go is Ephesians chapter one and verse three. Okay? Thanks be to God who has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay? There's your next one. Talk about where the spiritual blessings are. Not anywhere except where? In Christ. Okay? Now, that's all I have time for. Sorry, thank you for doing that.